Hi, everyone, and welcome to Televisions, the podcast, an audio companion to the Televisions website and a show made by Anglophiles for Anglophiles. I am Lacey Vargamilis, and I'm the editor here at Televisions. And joining me as per usual is my co-host, Miss Annie Bundle. Hello. Hello. How are you today? Um, I am a little stressed mm. because, uh, well, it's just it has been a week. And as you all as you all know, we re- we record the show a few a few days before it actually drops. But uh, I we're recording it a little differently than normal because I'm about to go out of town. But I'm about to go out of town to watch the University of Virginia basketball team play in a tournament in Las Vegas because, as many of you probably remember, I am psychotic in my fandom for them. But it's also really weird because probably as many of you have heard, a horrific incident happened at the University of Virginia. So. Everything is a mess. The world is horrible. Uh, and gun violence now. The end. <sighs> yeah. And gun violence now. I would absolutely agree. Um, puts into perspective the fact that my only complaint in life is that my SI joint absolutely is on strike. And it really, really hurts to walk. I don't even know what that is. Um, it's that dimple in your back. You know how you have those two dimples in your back? Oh, I also get lower back pain now. That's an exciting new feature about getting older. Look forward to it, youths. Yeah, I know. The dimples are your SI joints. And um, the one on my right has been absolutely like letting me have it for like a week and a half now. And I really wish it would just be quiet. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's, I mean, seriously, if that's all I'm complaining about. Um, yeah. Uh, anyway, what are we talking about today? Anyways? <laughs> I, I am about to complain about something else. Mm. But it is much less serious and... Uh... And really worthy of complaining about in the light of everything that is happening in the world currently. But I'm going to complain about it anyway, because that is who I am as a person. Uh, <laughs> we are going to talk about we are going to talk about uh, the great British baking show and just the sort of overall mess of season 13, which has been a journey. Season 13, a.k.a. Collection 10 here on Netflix. No, no one calls it Collection whatever. You know that, right? I it's know. It's just like no one calls it that. I know. But the thing is, is that people get confused by the 13. I know. I take it out of everything you write about it. <laughs> so nobody calls it Collection 10. Oh, Netflix man. tried to make that happen and like no one does it. So. All right. I feel slightly chastened and also amused that yes, I'm making more work for you. I'll stop doing it. Anyway, point being, um, Great British Breaking Show is uh this was unlucky season thirteen. <laughs> Look, let me put it this way. I was I had some feelings towards the Great British Baking Show after last season and its complete robbery of my favorite uh trombone player trombone player jergen yeah um i was trying to remember what instrument he played and i'm pretty sure it's a trombone because he's posted on social media every now and again but uh i i went on several rants last season in print and on the show about the things that were bothering me about last season a lot of which were connected to jergen getting robbed in the quarterfinals but uh Apparently, no one at the show cares what I think because they legit took every complaint I had and doubled down on it this season. I'm unhappy. Uh, I will say, okay, part of the problem with Unlucky Season 13 is that Season 12 was so good. Um, since moving to Channel 4, um, the Great British Baking Show, when it was back on back when it was on the BBC and on PBS, the Great British Baking Show was still very novel. And the thing about reality shows, one of the reasons we love to watch them is because they surprise us. 
And the Great British Baking Show, in those first six or seven seasons, the first two we never saw, they're on Roku, by the way, if you want to go see them, um, but it always managed to surprise us. We tuned in because we were surprised by Nadia. We were surprised by Nancy. We were surprised by uh, Lipstick Girl. Um, Candace. Um, sorry. Uh, honestly, like, this is why we watched. And since moving to uh, to Channel 4... There's a level where they're imitating themselves and the lack of surprise has started to be a problem. It's not even I wouldn't even call it that. I think the show has forgotten why people like it, because part of the reason last season was so good was not that just all the bakers were so good, which they were. And they always surprised me. It's why I tuned in. But all the bakers were so good. But like as a group that that group was so good together mm. and they all felt one of the things I, I hate about this season is that there are clearly the people who are going to the end and there's the cannon fodder mm. and and it's very apparent that half of the show is is probably like I don't know should I all the like half the show is not as good as other the other half of the show I think we're saying the same thing but just in different just coming from it from different angles yeah, I think last season it was apparent that like Jurgen and um, who actually won last Giuseppe. season? Giuseppe loved him. Like I loved all of them as people, but it was also clear that there was a lot of parody and skill sets mm-hmm. across the group of bakers. And this this season, like, I'm sorry, why was that lady with the pink hair? Was that Carol on for so many weeks when like literally all of her bakes disintegrated? I just don't. So there's there's that aspect of it, mm-hmm. and there's also the other aspect of it that bugs me, which is that it feels like instead of focusing on the bakers and celebrating what these amateur bakers are are good at and love to do, um, they just seem to like set them up to see who's gonna fail the most spectacularly, mm. which is just which feels a it feels cruel, and b it's not that exciting. Like, you know what? I can make a vertical tart that falls over. But, like, it's not exciting. It feels cruel. It feels against, like, the ethos of the show that's been built thus far. I don't I don't want to watch people fail at these things. I wanted to watch these people who, like, cook in their kitchen at home make amazing things and wow me. But I think they, I think they want me to want to watch people's bakes collapse. And I don't want that. Uh, okay, so... The way I come at this is that Great British Baking Show is only as good as its cast. So season 12 was really good because it had a really good cast, a really good cast that had a really good energy together and each individual baker was really good. The thing about season 13, not only does it has it was it very obviously cannon fodder versus favorites, um, which is unfair and ugly. Not only was there a nailed it aspect to this. No, you don't need to be nailed it. Netflix already has nailed it. Please stop trying to be nailed it. And honestly, nailed it even handles the failure in a kinder way than Bake Off did. Like, don't sue me, Pillsbury. I know it's baking show in America. Mm-hmm. Whatever. It's the Bake Off. But, like, I feel like on Nailed It, they're like, they celebrate the kind of you tried, look what you accomplished angle. Mm-hmm. And here, they put Prue and Paul in the corner to, like, snark on people five feet from them. Like, what the hell? And... <sighs> The thing is, is also this season, um, this season was the first season they weren't in the bubble um, for the first time. So there were a couple of hiccups that came with that. There was um, Bread Week. We we basically went with 
two people were home, had to stay home sick because they couldn't they hadn't tested positive, but everybody was functioning under an abundance of caution, um, which I thought was, you know, inevitable, but also really unfortunate because it sort of it sort of. Uh, screwed up the balance of power as you might say um because suddenly we had these two the these two contestants that basically got to go through on bread week when they shouldn't have and then we had two people go home on mexican week and then of course there was mexican week and it was though it's not like that was even the worst okay wait no i'm sorry it was the worst offender in a season of problems like that i'm sorry Google s'mores. Like, just Google it. Google is free. Just Google it. Watch any movie where, like, a teenager goes to sleepaway camp. Like, I don't know where you guys are getting these recipes, but, like, like my niece can make s'mores. She's six. So here's the thing about... um this is the great British baking show. Okay, it's supposed to be British. And its its big successes have been moments like Victorian Week and Tudor Week when they focus on very British historical bakes. But, you know, a, a French Week worked for them too because the whole British French connection in cooking is is long and, and and is a long and storied thing. But it's been very obvious um, to those of us who watch closely that these people have no idea. The contestants have no idea about bakes outside of their sphere because they're amateurs. But it's also been very obvious that the judges didn't know. Um, I, I, I'm thinking very specifically of season four, of what we called season two on PBS, which was season four over there, where we had several rounds where one or two contestants made something where they said, I'm making Mexican flavors. And what they did was something that was vaguely that was vaguely Spain based with some Moroccan and Indian spices thrown in. And Paul and Mary tasted it and didn't recognize that this wasn't Mexican. And that, to me, was a very big sign that our judges didn't know what Mexican was any more than the contestants. Well, and the other problem is that unless you're made, they did make a, a milk cake, mm -hmm. but unless you're making like, I don't know, flan, like there's just not like what was baking in that? Like a taco? Yeah. So the thing is, is that. You know, we've seen this with um, Japanese Week. Japanese Week totally literally drove me crazy when they were like, here, make some spring rolls on Pastry Week. Uh -huh. Are you kidding me? Go make a croissant. Yeah. Spring. I, I didn't, you know, like there's just those are not bakes. There are thing this is supposed to be the great British baking show. Right. Yeah. That's a deep fryer. That is a deep fat fryer mm -hmm. that you put that in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not just the, 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 the contestants don't really know how to handle that. It's that it's not actually like... It, it, A it, bake? Yeah. It's, you know, Japanese week, none of the bakes were Japanese, but at least they were things you baked. Mexican week, at least all of the things were actually traditionally Mexican, quote unquote, but a, a, a taco or a taco, as a as a Paul referred cannot, to it, um, as a, at one point he actually referred to it as a cracker, and I almost screamed. Um, you know, that's not a he didn't know the word tortilla, and it, that was so like if you don't know it, don't do it, or do do your research. Like Mexican week, which he doesn't do that. Look, look, mm -hmm. I have gone on this rant many times. Mm -hmm. and that a big problem of this Channel Four version of the show mm -hmm. is Paul mm -hmm. and Paul's inability 
to take criticism, mm-hmm. Paul's inability to look outside of his bucket of personal favorites, Paul's inability to not decide immediately that he dislikes some contestant and then punish them for the rest of their time on the show. Like, I will never forget when Jurgen was like, this is not a German big because he's literally German. And Paul was like, whatever. Yes, it is. I'm like, dude. That's that's just it. If they can't German, okay, the royal family is bloody German. If if Great British Baking Show can't even get German bakes right, what hope is there for the rest of the world? Right? And, you know, Mexico, which is, you know, in North America, across the ocean, none of them have really ever been there except maybe Paul once or twice. And nobody's done any research. Oh, but you know, he like went to a resort anyway. <laughs> Did he like go out eating Mexican street food? Um, But it also it's incredibly frustrating because, you know, they know this show is big in America. And if this show was all, if this show was simply still just a UK side hit that was something that was only really focused in the UK, they probably would have gotten away with it. But listen, even the most like person who lives in like I don't know North Dakota has gone to Chipotle and Taco Bell. Right? They know Mex. They know the basics of Mexican food. There was no way they were going to pull this off. I, I find it's the same thing a little bit with the Halloween one. Halloween. Um. So this is my father was is a British was a British expat. My late father, and when he first came to America, he found Halloween to be absolutely stunning because in the UK it's a little kids' holiday where you bob for apples, and once you're like twelve or thirteen, Halloween's not cool anymore, and adults certainly don't dress up. Well. Those people are wrong. Halloween is great. Now, since the 1980s, that has actually changed a lot. Like Halloween has kind of like the the Halloween that we know has sort of like crossed the pond to them. And so Halloween's kind of a thing now over there, which is why they did this. And I think they also did this because they had this American audience and they thought this is something that we can culturally, you know, that we can culturally bond on. And then they did s'mores. <laughs> Which has nothing to do with Halloween, and we're all wrong. <laughs> I just, honestly, Google is free, Paul. I know you have a phone. <laughs> um, I did. Li- I liked the showstoppers in Halloween week, though. I thought those were really cool. I did too, and I thought, uh, you know, for all that Savara's witch was extremely messy, um, her witch cake for the the signature. I thought that that was pro- it was it was really cute, messy. Like there were things. The thing is, is that for all that Paul was pushing Sabar to the point that it was almost painful, she was actually a really good baker, and she was trying so hard. I know. I really do feel bad for all the bakers because it's not their fault that they don't know what Mexican food is. I don't know. I don't expect them to. Mm. But the show makes them look like idiots for not knowing how to make Mexican food and for trotting Matt Lewis out in a in a like sombrero. Oh which, my god! Please stop. But, um, like, the Sabira question is, it was very, back to Paul's many failings, but, like, <laughs> it was very obvious from very early on that he, she was one of his favorites, mm-hmm. and it just became more and more pronounced over the course of the season, like, to the point where even when she had a bad week, they would go out of their way to find, like, the things she did right and talk about that and not talk about whatever was wrong with her bake, while everyone else... And she did not have a good week on that finale. Nope. I mean, none of them did really, but I gu- I guess Abdul probably. Mm-hmm. Like I really, but I I I will put my biases out there that Sandra was Sandro and uh, 
Janus were my favorites and Reb, but I knew instantly that Paul hated her in the first episode. So I was like, well, she's DOA. Um, Cause Paul, there's always a girl that Paul hates. Oh, I find that. Um, so Sandra was clearly a, a, a potential disaster at all times. And I really genuinely believe that he made the finale over Yanuz because Yanuz was slow and steady and always turned in a solid, if not, spe- it, might, it might not be spectacular, but it was always solid. And there's no drama in that. And I really believe that they put Sandro in the finale in order to try and have him basically have a collapse. Oh, yeah, 100%. And I am 100% sure that that gelatin thing in the technical was meant for him to fail, not for everyone to fail. I I think that was, they thought he wouldn't be able to do it and the other two would. Well, because the thing is, is that you could tell, you could really tell, and maybe I could tell more because I actually watched like the last three episodes on top of each other because I'd fallen behind. This is no slam on Abdul, who honestly seems like such a sweet person. And I did really love that bake he did of the solar system. I thought it looked amazing. But I feel like in the semifinals, like it, like it became very clear that Abdul was going to go through to lose. And he knew it. Yeah, which makes it even worse. Like, like if they'd wanted a real competition, they should have sent Yanus through. But he might have just been mediocre and won like abdul was pretty mediocre and probably should have won um the thing about abdul is that he had an arc on one of the other things about um uh reality television in general is that people who have arcs are the ones that catch our attention you know watching kelly clarkson go from like you know little texan girl to like belting it out is an arc we love to watch right but those are deliberate choices that are made by the people who put the show together though yeah and 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 abdul had was had been given an arc over the season where you could see him slowly building and he actually did of those who made the final sandra was big from the beginning and big at the end and that was that uh sabara's flavors were great from the beginning great in the middle and great in the end she never she she was she was the same level the whole way through abdul is the only one who was edited or gave them stuff to make an edit where he had a growth where he showed growth but I just don't, I just can't, ima- I just, I don't know. I don't know how you sit there. It's, you know what it really is? And this is something I complained about a lot last season, but I need Bake Off to pick a lane on this. Because you can see it in the different arguments they make for the contestants that did make the final. Are we judging on body of work over the season? Or are we judging on an episode? Because last season they said it was on an episode and that's why Jurgen went home because he had a bad week. Here... It doesn't matter. Here, Abdul made it through to the final because of his body of work. Yes. And not because of yes. his week. In fact, they gave him Star Baker in the semifinal. And you can actually tell that they only gave him Star Baker because otherwise he would have been the one in the final without ever having get gotten it once. And it just, there's so mm-hmm. much, the thumb of production on the scale is so much heavier on this show than it used to be. And I hate it. Because I just, like, it's such BS. Like, either judge it on your performance in this episode, which they can't do because it would have meant that Sabira went home, like, three weeks ago. Or judge it on body of work, which means Yanus makes the final. So what I wanted to say is, I was so mad 
at that final technical. Okay, so we have we have partially collapsed. We have we we have totally collapsed, and then we have Mush. You know, Abdul, Sabera, and 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 Sandro, and. Abdul therefore wins, you know, basically on default. Now, he's not the first time someone's won a technical on default. That happens all the time. No, I mean, sometimes you just sometimes you just fail less. Sandro won the ice cream yes. challenge because he went because he happened to go first and had a colder yes. freezer. Mm-hmm. And so here we are. And people clap because you won the technical. And Paul literally says, stop clapping and tells and yells at them for cla- and. I was like, how dare you? How dare you? Such a, I just, I, I can't handle it. But also, why did they suddenly start putting Prue and Paul in like Statler and Waldorf corner towards the end of the season where they were like commenting on people during the baking? Like, shut up. It's like, this isn't that show. This isn't that show. Mm -mm. Um, Okay, so I understand that during the the bubble years, we couldn't bring the cameras home and meet the families, right? Like, we couldn't. That was literally not a thing they could do. Everyone came to the tent. They stayed. That's the point of the bubble. They come to the tent. They stay in the bubble. They go home and they can't come back, which is why the final was basically all just crew members and the three finalists without their families. But this was the first year we're back to normal, right? So where were all of the interviews with the families? Mm -hmm. You know, that is such part of building the relationship with the viewer for the contestants. Well, I mean, and even last season, like, I definitely know that I was, like, when, when Jurgen won Star Baker and tried to call his family and they didn't answer the phone. And then he won ne- he won oh. Star Baker, like, the next week and he called his family and they answered. And I was like, oh, thank God, his family answered. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that is the kind of thing that we as a viewer connect to because who hasn't had great news and called home and nobody answered because, you know, they don't have a landline or nobody's picking up because they're busy or their cell phone ran out of juice. Like we've all been there and it was so humanizing, you know, like like Star Caker was extremely humanizing this season. You know, like that kind of thing. And the, the 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 interviews with the families are always one of the most humanizing aspects that this show has. And it always does it in that early episode to sort of get us to know everybody before they before we start like losing them. And they didn't do that this year. Instead, they only did the cursory family interviews remotely. Yeah, in like the first episode. Right. And I they, they did a little well, they did a little in the intros of the first episode and then at the end. But not nearly enough. And then at, at the end, like it was, I don't know if this was because we're not truly out of the woods yet when it comes to the pandemic and they couldn't or what. But I felt the lack of that connection was still a problem this season. And I really need that not, I need that not to be the new normal. Well, to what I was saying before, because I feel the thumb of production and I let me let me just own that I watch a lot of reality television and a lot of it is very yeah. bad. And my friends and I, uh, when we watch love is blind, we often like just yell at each other, like, Oh, this is producer manipulation because you can, it's easy to tell. It's easy to tell when mm-hmm. a show is trying to push something toward an outcome or a path that they'd prefer that they think is going to be more dramatic or more interesting or whatever. Like you can tell we're not dumb, but the more I feel the thumb of production on the show, the more there are bakers that I I barely remember this season, like that I feel like I got I got 
no chance to get to know because they were just there long enough to get booted. Mm, it's true. Um, I mean, you know, like uh, a Mason is one that I would have loved to have gotten to know better. She was the girl with the headscarf. She went home real early. Oh, she was the she was the baby, and I was like, who was that? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I mean, honestly, like. Uh, you know, Reb is another one. Like, as you said, it was very obvious from the beginning that Paul was like, Paul took one look at her and was like, that one's going home. But like when she went home after being gone for a week, along with James, who was I, I was like, who? Also, the only fact I remember about him is that he's the one that wears the kilt. I think that's mm. like it. Um. I, you know, and then there's ones that like um, my friends referred to him as a uh, as Bake Off Simon Pegg, Kevin. Um, <laughs> I mean, um, but he seemed he seemed so nice, but also like he might as well have just had a sticker on that said, I'm here so I don't get fined. Like he was cannon fodder from like <laughs> jump. Yeah. And so were Carol and Dawn. And that was really unfortunate. You know, we the older contestants are not there for your amusement and they're not there as cannon fodder. Older bakers should be given more props well, and also, I really, the one thing I really thought, I think it was Dawn, and I forget what challenge it was, but it was something she was like, oh, I literally bake this every week. I know, I'm the only one who, I know who, I, she was like the only person who knew what this technical was, but she screwed it up and it wasn't good. But like, that should be a natural advantage for older bakers who know how to make these things that the younger bakers may not have any experience making. Instead, it's just like, there's Carol's whatever it is, like leaking or falling apart. It's just, it's not fun. Yeah. Um, she, it was the lemon meringue pie technical for the record. And um, I honestly, it showed me that she was having trouble functioning under the pressure of the tent because this is something she makes every single Sunday and she couldn't manage it. She was too distracted by the cameras, by the lighting, by being in an unfamiliar space. And that to me was like, Oh, well, let's let's talk about a little bit more of like the sort of technical here, because I think I can't remember a season that has had this many abject failures in it in terms of like total number of bakes. And that to me, that to me says there's something wrong with the production or the, the situation that they're baking in the tent, whatever, because if everyone is failing, that's not a them problem. And if everyone's failing repeatedly, that's not a them problem. Okay, as as the person who does the recaps and 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 has this information in their in somewhere stored in their brain, the answer is the first bubble season was as close as we've ever gotten to this kind of failure. Okay, well that was the one where everything melted. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just that everything melted. Like there were things like the brownies where everyone was like, we know the brownies, so we're not going to bother practice them. We're going to practice the other things. And then they all failed at the brownies, learning that they had to really practice. And that was like it was very early on in the in that first bubble season. But I feel like every and I don't know if that means that they're just making these challenges too ridiculously difficult, like they're making them to fail. They're making them for no one to be super successful at it. But for like the final four episodes, I feel like somebody like had something that that collapsed, that melted, that the ice cream didn't set, that the thing broke off of it, that it had to be presented in like two piles like so many things that I'm like, this to me says that you're not making this so that the majority of the people can actually pass them, let alone exceed at them. 
or excel at them, whatever. This is the first season where we had multiple technicals that were not bakes. Tacos was not a bake. S'mores was not a bake. Spring rolls was not a bake. Spring roll. I don't know how to make spring rolls. Y'all are crazy. Pistachio and praline ice cream was not a bake. Right? Like these are, this is four bakes in a row that basically happened that were not actually bakes. The only bake in that run that was an actual bake was the lemon meringue pie. And so we're literally looking at things that are not bakes. If it's not a bake, bakers are going to have trouble. But also like look at the, look at the showstoppers that are, well, I, I don't know. I don't know what the, was the vertical tart a technical? The vertical tart was a technical. At least you had to bake like part of it. But who in the world, hands up if you have ever seen a vertical tart in your life. There was a vertical tart. There was like that 3D stacked bread thing. Like, I don't, what are these? I don't want to eat this. Um, I have, I have actually seen vertical tarts in the windows of French pastry shops. They are uh, they are the th- they are not a thing that somebody makes at home ever. They're a thing that you get. It's that thing that sits in the window that nobody actually gets. Also, again, who makes spring rolls at home? If you want that, just order out. Well, that's not true. That's not true. You know, there are there are people who make spring rolls at home. I'm just not one of them. Neither <laughs> are you. And still, also not a bake. Um, and can we just, you know, I, 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 I could sit here and for an hour rag on Mexican week, but asking for a four layer tres leche cake is literally asking for a four layer bowl of soup. This is, this is a water, this is a, this is not a, these are not Victoria sponge. Okay. You can't, you can't stack flan on top of each other. If you do, they will, it will be gelatinous and it will be gross. And that was the problem is you either had to have gelatinous gross cakes that worked or you had to have a puddle. Anyway, I just frustrated me. But I, I, I don't know. It's just like, I don't understand. I don't, to my earlier point, like I don't watch this to see like the spectacular ways that people can get it wrong. I want to watch them mm-hmm. make cool, you know, like mm-hmm. I want, I want to, see like i i want nadia making chocolate peacocks right like that was memorable i want somebody to make their dad's pub out of gingerbread that was <laughs> memorable who was it last season that literally all of her bakes were something about her family and like they were all amazing looking um yeah i i don't remember off the top of my head i'd have to go back for a second but honestly like um you know even even what was her name from season two who made the, 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 the sandwich cake that looked like a sandwich? Right? Like those. Those are memorable. I don't even remember the contestant's name, but I remember her bake. You know, like that's the kind of thing that I want to see is something that I wasn't expecting and makes me laugh. And we just we didn't get that this season at all. I mean, the only one I think is even close to that is the one where everybody made like planet stuff. And Abdul made that really amazing mirror glaze and like Sandro made the earth. And it was just like really cool looking. I, okay, first of all, I loved Sandra's Earth and I loved Abdul's Space Cake. I thought those were gorgeous. When they announced that the showstopper for the finale was a planet-themed cake, I was like, Sandra is screwed. Did you literally do this so Sandro would be screwed because he already did this and can't do it again? I mean, I would have really, respe- I would have really respected him if he was like, you know what, I'm just making the Earth again. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Abdul, too, because his was incredible. Like, mm-hmm. 
Like it was, and all you know, it's really funny because you know this isn't a BBC show anymore. And how was like if this was a BBC show and we were doing like Planet Earth, I would expect like David Attenborough to be walking into this tent. <laughs> like I really felt like this was almost like an Attenborough like themed te- bake that didn't have David Attenborough show up to judge it. But like the finale stuff was just so like everyone did really poorly. And I don't think it's because the three people mm-hmm. there were bad bakers. I think it's because they were basically set up to fail. And then by being set up to fail, they were like, guess we're going to have to pick Sabira because she was just the best throughout the season, even though, like, again, what are we judging this based on? I'm not even saying that to be, like, mean to Sabira. I thought she was adorable. I thought she's clearly a very talented baker. Like, I think she could have won this on her own. I don't know if she would have won this on her own if they had, like, taken their foot off the off the gas for her and stopped sabotaging other people probably she might have she was really good and original but i will i'll never know now Mm -hmm. um and that's not fair to her because you know one of the other things that was really brought home to me by the finale you know she actually when when they asked her how does it feel to win in her in her little interview after being awarded the the winner of the season she says it hasn't sunk down yet because english isn't her first language she's literally doing this with no, with with English not even being her first language and UK bakes not being her forte and she's she's overcoming so much simply being there is amazing for her the fact that she's as good as she is it's unfair that she is now tarnished with basically the Paul Hollywood push you know and i don't and that is that is a real problem for this show. When one of your judges pushing the winner is a pr- is is a taint on them, that's a problem. I mean, like, what is Prue even there for? I feel like we had this exact same conversation last season. But like, the question stands: What does Prue? What purpose does Prue serve other than to make jokes when people make cake that has booze in it? Um, honestly, she's the, she does try, like. It was very obvious that, like, she was not, like, I'm going to judge this fairly, and Sabira did not do well here, and I'm going to continue to say very quietly that this is not very good while Paul yells over me about how delicious it is, even though it's not actually delicious. And I do respect that. I respect that she does that. But the problem is, is that it there's only so much of that you can do. She can't push back. You know, there is no, there is no Prue handshake. I mean, she could, but I don't think that she is, she's not that kind of person. I don't think. Well, no. And honestly, we saw what happened when someone pushed back Sandy. Sandy handed out a handshake of her own when Paul did not give one to somebody who really and truly deserved it. And that was her last season. Um, Can we speak of handshakes? I am so, all Sandra wanted was a freaking Hollywood handshake. Like, that's literally all he wanted. Never he never one. got one the whole season, even when he, like, made stuff that hung from the ceiling or lit up or, like, had 18 levels inside it. Like, did not matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very frustrating. Um, That it was very obvious that that, that Paul saw Sandro as a, a very, a, a, a punching bag in a way. Like, the, 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 the clown of the show that he could make fun of, who will make something too big and will fall apart. And we can all sort of like, you know, <gasps> look at that fall apart. Look at, look at, look at the big red thing fall off his cake. You know, like that. Yeah. And I didn't like that at all. I really, really didn't. Um, 
Oh, and the person the person who made stuff that always referenced her family was Christelle. Oh, loved her. Loved I loved everybody on that season. But like I mm. but her stuff was always like beautiful. I just remember she made like her grandma's mm-hmm. house or something and it was just incredible. To yes, look she at. did. Like I don't it's not fun when they make it so that their final product literally looks like a kaiju. Like it's just like a mess. <laughs> it's I can I cannot make things at home. <laughs> um, I often do not make things at home. This is why Rob does all the cooking. <laughs> <laughs> like I can make disastrous brownies on my own time. Yeah, and I still think to this day that the brownie thing was an accident. That it was really that the contest that the contestants hadn't learned how to time manage properly within the bubble. I genuinely think that that was the problem there, and that I noticed very quickly that got solved, and that we never saw that again until this season when everybody can now go home again, and suddenly people are failing left and right. And I do think that this is that you know when you say that they're setting people up to fail it's not that they're setting everybody up to fail but they are setting up one person to fail they meant for what they meant for either abdul or sandro to not know how to do that gelatin and instead they accidentally failed everybody they want when you set one person up to fail your net you can't guarantee your net won't catch the rest of them well and also <laughs> If I were going to be the producer manipulation here, I would maybe pick something that odds are most people would know how to do. Like, I just, <laughs> I, I keep coming back to the vertical tart because I was like, are you serious? What is this? And I felt so bad for Sandro, who literally was like, oh, I'm supposed to do it the other way because I'm like, that's exactly the kind of. Like, they give them three instructions on a technical list. Like, I am not mad at him for not knowing what they meant by that because i'd literally never seen a vertical chart before this week okay actually now i do want to i do want to point out that mary used to do that all the time mary used to hand out technical instructions that was make the thing make the thing present the thing and her reasoning was the exact reasoning that Prue gave at the lemon meringue pie. You should know how to blind break a crust. You should know how to make a lemon curd. You should know how to make a meringue. And you know what? That's fair. That's fair. You should not. I'm not going to be mad at you if you don't know how to make a vertical tart. I literally had never seen yeah. one until this week. So I'm not going to be mad mm-hmm. at you for not knowing how to do that. I would have just like sat down. But the problem is, is that when Mary did that, they played it for laughs when everybody opened their instructions and didn't know what to do. But they didn't make her look like a jerk for it in the editing. And they made Prue look like a jerk for that. And that, I thought, was really telling. Because it shows that they're not, that the only one who won't get the jerk edit anywhere in this show is Paul. It's honestly, like, ridiculous. And now we're to the point where Sandro decided to make a key lime thing. Because he knew Paul liked mm. key lime. Like, that is mm. unnecessary. You should know. You should never. That should never be a thing. In the same way that you should never avoid making matcha because you know Paul hates it. Yeah. Like, if you really love key lime, make key lime. But don't make key lime because mm-hmm. you think it'll make Paul give you a handshake. Because, spoiler alert, baby, Paul hates you and will never give you a handshake. Um, for the record, because I had to go because my brain was mad at me that I could not remember, the one who made the Victoria sandwich sandwich cake was Frances, and she was the one who won in season two slash season four, and I was really mad about it because it should have been Kimberly. Anyway, that was your random uh, fact factoid from, you know, long ago. 
Well, it's funny, though, because you do really remember specific bakes. Like, I specifically remember mm-hmm. how cool I thought Lottie's cassette tape ice cream cake was. I thought that was oh, so awesome, yeah. except it was 100 degrees in the tent and it melted. Like, yeah. absolutely. But I remember the idea of it and how cool I thought it was. And I, I I will say that I am so glad that they are back to filming in the spring, even if it means that, you know, your summertime picnic is being served while everyone's wearing heavy coats, you know, because the UK. Um, I, you know what I also thought was really weird? Um, what was and, and I I think they did this to actually try to be kind, but then they muffed it was the ice cream challenge where they did it staggered, but they only did it staggered enough to really let Sandro go without anybody else trying to use the fridge. Like, what was that? Um, No, each of... Okay, first of them, they all have their own fridge. It's not that they don't... It's not that they're sharing a fridge. Well, I mean, the temperature in the tent would be higher with more people in it, but, like, he Mm. was the only person who was in there alone. Like... Yes, I, I absolutely, I, I didn't, they didn't stagger them enough. Absolutely. They needed to stagger them by at least 30 minutes, not five. Um, That was, I, I, I do think they muffed that one. I think you're absolutely correct on that. But again, also ice cream, not a bake. Sorry. Because at least when they did, at least when they did Lottie's ice cream cake, it was an ice cream cake. And as someone who worked at Ben and Jerry's all through college, I would also like to tell you that baking waffle cones is not actually baking. It's just making waffles. Promise. I've done it a lot. Um, Yeah, it just absolutely floored me. The week after Mexican week was, I think, like custard week, which was also weird and wrong. Mm, right. Because they've tried those before. Like, they've tried to do, like, Batter Week or Caramel Week. Caramel Week wasn't a bad one. It was just a little um, difficult. Um, But I do actually appreciate the concept of it. The problem is, is that the execution was off. Like, these sorts of, like, Batter Week was another one where where it was a great idea, but the execution was off. Like, they had to pick better, better samples to show what they were talking about. Um, and I think that that's a problem, not a problem in the way that, say, something like Mexican week is a problem or something like German week is a problem, but it's still a problem if you aren't, if you come up with a really cool theme and then you can't come up with the correct bakes to show it off to its full extent. Yeah, because I feel like they even picked wrong on like pastry, pastry and uh, what's the one that's not pastry, but very like pastry patisserie like patisserie um and that's always that's almost always been the semifinal. i think the only times it the only time it wasn't was chocolate week and then one week one year where they called it french week um but it was it was still patisserie week and i really love that as a semifinal because patisserie is really hard um but i it really i i don't know like you because they do it every year sometimes they don't do it as well as they do other years because they can never do the same thing twice Hmm. um like they did they did many they did charlotte royales a few years ago and this time they did mini charlottes and those didn't work nearly as well as the charlotte royales and i think that that's sort of the kind of thing that we that you're just that's just gonna happen sandra sandro made the charlotte royale anyway it's it's like I know. Um, Okay, so I just want to mention, I know you haven't watched, but um, when this, uh, alongside the finale on Netflix, we also got the holiday specials, season five, which are actually last year's Christmas and New Year's specials bundled together and given to us 11 months late. Wait, which, hold on, I got to do the math in my head. So this is or is not the James McAvoy year? Uh, Okay. 
James McAvoy never did that. James McAvoy did the stand-up for cancers, which never come oh, over here. Right. Dang. Um, no. The ones this is this is the one where this is gonna be a little weird to viewers who don't have HBO Max. It's the It's a Sin cast. Oh god. That's so, oh oh, because it would have been last Christmas when like It's a Sin came out and it would have made more sense. Yes. So the fact that it's 11 months late, A, and B, It's a Sin went to HBO Max, not Netflix, is good. You guys are going to feel, you guys are going to be like, who? Oh, but that cast is like, is it just all the kids? It's it, Yes, it is. I haven't, I, haven't watched the ho- I haven't watched the holiday episode yet. I You guys are lucky I made it through the whole season in time to talk about it. But I love that whole, that the kids, that is a great cast and they have really great like camaraderie. So I feel like that's going to be like, it'll be like when the Dairy Girls were on. It's very much a Dairy Girls style episode in the chemistry, but when you're asking yourself what It's a Thin is and why you can't find it on Netflix, the answer is it's on HBO Max. And it's also really great, and you should watch it if you haven't oh seen it, but gosh. it's very, like, it's it's about the, the AIDS crisis in, in the 80s, and it's very, it's very emotionally harrowing, but it's a great drama. Yeah. And um, highly recommended, totally undermarketed by HBO Max. Netflix is doing them a huge favor by, by, by putting this episode on their streaming. And I really hope it gets other people to go find it and watch it. Um, the Christmas, the New Year's episode that follows um, is it's got a couple of it's got Kim. The, the, the one that we're going to tune in for is for Kim Joy. Like it's got three other people and it's got Kim Joy. And Kim Joy is just as joyous as she always is. So you're going to tune in and want to watch that. I wish that. they could like get it together to just like day and date that. It's so dumb. Like, OK, it's because it's because they don't have day and date. What they have is four days later and no one wants to watch a Christmas episode on December 29th and no one wants to watch a New Year's episode on January 5th. I mean, I would, but I'm weird. I know, but just saying that the the, the majority. I, I, yeah. The thing about Christmas television in general is that it is so immediate, like people don't watch Christmas tree lightings in February like they just don't. Right. Unless they're really weird or they love Hallmark or something. I don't know. My mother-in-law loves Hallmark, the, all the Hallmark Channel movies. I'm sure I will have to watch several when we uh, go up for Thanksgiving. You know, they all moved to Peacock, right? Uh, Maybe not then, because I don't think she has Peacock. Peacock swallowed the Hallmark, the Hallmark streaming hole the way it did with the WWE last year. <laughs> Okay, that's weird. Peacock really desperately needs people. All right, let us let us bring it back to the baking show in the last few minutes. Sorry. Um. Um. Okay. Actually, what I want to say before before is that um, as I noted a little bit, and I want to emphasize this. Um, you will notice that Netflix does not have all of the collections anymore. When you look, I think they now start with collection three or collection four. That's because Roku has gotten the rights to the very early BBC seasons, including the ones PBS never put on the air. So if you are look, if you are starving for more Great British Bake Off or baking show and you really want like some stuff that you've never seen before and you have a Roku, go look for it because you will see season one and two, which are fascinating in the ways the show has changed. All right, back to this current season. So let, let us wrap up by talking about like what did you think of the season as a whole? Better or worse than last season? Who was your favorite? Did the right person win? 
Um, the right person won. Yes, I absolutely think Sabara deserved to win. And I'm very mad that there are people who feel that she didn't deserve to win because Paul basically tainted her with his brush. And that makes me very unhappy. Um, I think this was season, this was unlucky season 13. I think especially in, especially following last season, which was so spectacular. I think it really did pale in comparison. Um, my favorite overall this season. Um, you know, I'm not sure if I really had one. You know, like, honestly, I liked Savara. I, I liked Abdul. I liked Sandro. But I don't think I had... There wasn't one that I was attached to in that way. Um, you know, I think the closest thing, if I had to come up with somebody who I would say I was attached to... Maybe Kevin? Yeah, I think maybe Kevin or Maxie. Oh, we didn't talk about Maxie. Oh, man, I felt so bad when she went home. And she knew it. She knew that she knew she would, her time well, was up. Well, again, though, are we talking about body of work or specific episode? Like, okay, she had a mm-hmm. bad episode. But, like, if you look at her body of work, was it better than, like, Kevin's? Yeah. Mm, yeah. No offense to Kevin, who was very adorable. Um, yeah, I have to say that I just, I don't think I had one that I was truly attached to this season. And I think that was also kind of a problem for me is that there wasn't one that really had my heart the way that like Giuseppe and, 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 uh, and Jurgen did uh, last year. Ride or die for Jurgen, y'all. Um, he's really cute on Twitter. If people don't follow him, he's at Jurgen the bread. And he's actually been hanging out with the contestants from this season too. So that's really awesome. They're very adorbs. Um, I will say, let's see, for me, definitely worse than last season. I just think the cast chemistry wasn't nearly as good. I don't know, because I feel like there was definitely some of the cast members I didn't get to see enough of, so maybe that was part of it. But I also just feel like there was a very clear like group A and group B divide that made the front half of the season like less fun than it probably should have been. Uh, I, I don't know if I think... So, I mean... Pr- if we're looking at body of work, Severa probably deserved to win. If we're looking at finale performance, she probably didn't. Um, but the show picks whichever lane whenever it's convenient. So who knows? And I really resent that that um, Paul's constant caping for her really made me not dislike her. Because honestly, she's adorable. And I think it's probably impossible to actually not like her. But it made me not want her to win because his caping for her was so obvious and so annoying. Um, Sandro was by far my favorite. Sandro and Yanus. Yanus is adorable. I love that literally he's like, how can I turn whatever this is into a pride cake at all times? And Dude, he he was definitely on brand. I loved him for that. I did love him for that. Like He's like, how can I make this a pride cake? I'm going to do it. And uh, I loved Sandro because who doesn't love a man who's like, I'm going to go bake stuff in leather pants. So, I mean, I also just like I like that Sandra took big swings at things, and it didn't work sometimes. But like, it was like he had a vision, and he tried for his vision. Mm. Also, like the yeah, leather pants didn't hurt. That. I'm just gonna put that out there. Never do. All right. Um. I I, I do you, anything for season fourteen, or are we just gonna? Well, we'll just hope that it gets better. Please let Paul take like a vacation. I just need like Paul <laughs> is the problem. Like, I don't understand how no one else doesn't see this. Like, 
it it other people say this. It's just that Channel Four doesn't, or Channel Four paid him too much money and can't figure out how to make him go away. One of the two. It's just it's like he's he makes the show worse, and he really does. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, though it, it, people who are getting tired of Paul, um, there is also the uh, what's the new one that's on HBO Max? Oh, the one I I will not be watching. The one that Paul's doing. Uh. No, no, no. Uh, it's a, uh, it's the guy from Schitt's Creek who did uh the Great Canadian Baking Show. Oh, I love that guy, Dan Levy. Dan Levy, yeah, he has um he has now a version of Baking Show that's over at um HBO Max that very much feels like he learned a lot from the Canadian Baking Show and brought it all with him. Aww. yeah, that's my that's my hopes for season fourteen. They gotta find some way to rein Paul in. Because it's honestly just, it's making the rest of the show worse. I, I 100% agree. And I have no idea how you solve a problem like Paul. It really, it, it, it's, it, it's an issue. Um, oh, it's called the big brunch. That's what it's called. Okay. Oh, I anyway. love brunch. Although honestly though, brunch is like, oh, I don't know. I guess you could make really fancy waffles or something. I'm just like, brunch. I can make a lot of brunch food. It's not that hard. <laughs> I love brunch. Brunch is my favorite is my favorite meal of the year. Anyway, um, meal of the day, not meal of the year. Anyway, um, yeah, um, so I guess uh, that's it for the Great British Baking Show this year. Yeah, that's that's our that's it for this round of the Bake Off. Sandro, I hope you're on Twitter somewhere because if you are, I'm gonna follow you because I bet your Twitter would be funny for as, as long, long as, as Twitter, Twitter lasts. Um, speaking of Twitter, tell the people where to find <laughs> you on the internet. You can find me at Annie Bundle on Mastodon. You can find me at Annie at Miss Annie Bundle on Facebook. Uh, you can find pictures of my very fuzzy cats and their very fuzzy butts uh, on at Annie Bundle on Instagram. I'm a staff writer, Elite Daily, and the associate editor here at Televisions, and I also freelance around the web. Um, by the time you are listening to this, I will be writing about Glass Onion, um, which I'm very excited for. Um, other than that, uh, yeah, uh, if you want to basically find me and find what I've been writing this week, go. Oh, I don't know. Join Mastodon. I mean, I am still tweeting, and if you're one of those people that gets like the tweet digest, you'll get it that way. But you know, Twitter's a mess right now. So, anyway, um, I am LaceyMB on Twitter, where I will be until the servers break down and the site is no more. But uh, I am also LaceyMB on virtually every other social platform. So come be my friend in all of those places for as long as they last. <laughs> Uh, the site and the pod are also on social media at telly underscore visions on Twitter for as long as that lasts or televisions blog all one word on Facebook. You can find everything we write at televisions.org where if you click on that big donate button up top, you will help us keep making all of this great content for your eyes and ears and get access to PBS passport, which is full of all sorts of incredible binge opportunities including early access to season three of miss scarlet and the duke which i believe was just announced um i'm pumped because i love them uh other than that i don't know thanksgiving is coming get your comfort eating food ready get your sweatpants ready if you're going to see your family please consider getting a covid booster or a flu shot it is rough out there i heard stories of people who've gotten the flu who've gotten that whatever that RSV thing is. It all sounds dreadful. So protect yourself and your loved ones if you can. Um, That's our show. As always, thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.